Uh, welcome to another edition of the OSINT podcast, or the OSINT uh, Curious Project. Uh, my name is Michael James, or Ginsburg 5150. Uh, joined with me is uh, a couple of other co-hosts as well. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, Nico here, the Townsend guy. Hi, Sector 035. Yeah, sector. And our special guest, uh, Brenna Smith. Hi, I'm hey. Brenna. Um, <laughs> We, we have some other people out. Uh, Kirby is also here, but she's not uh, going to go through and talk. She's in the, in the comments. So if you have any questions, direct them to Kirby. She'll be the, the comments and the question wrangler uh, for this episode. So, um, well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Brenna, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into open source intelligence, where you came from. I'm super interested to talk to you about um, Berkeley and things like that, which is where you kind of came from. Is that right? The human rights yes. stuff. So, yeah. Give us a little bit yeah. about the background stuff. Okay, cool. Um, so I went to UC Berkeley, and um, for any international people, it's just a university in California. And I, um, I, okay, so it's kind of circuitous. I didn't really get into any sort of OSINT thing until like a year and a half ago, about. Um, I had an internship in Washington, D.C., where I was working at a national security think tank um, under a guy named Yaya Fanuzi, who you guys should follow him on Twitter. He's great. He's at Stein Curve. And um, he's an ex-CIA analyst, super smart guy. And he uh, specializes in like illicit finance and like how like terrorist financing and stuff like that. That was his job when he was in the CIA. And so as his intern, his research started going into crypto and I had like wiggled my way into this I, I was a social work major so I literally like nothing I like nothing international relations related like I had kind of no business being in this internship but a friend of mine had had it before and um, I had met Yaya through that so he kind of was willing to take a chance on me which was really nice and gave me my career but um, he was really into cryptocurrencies and that was what his research was on and I came into that internship knowing nothing and very like um I wouldn't say I, I would say I'm a curious person and like somebody who enjoys um learning new things but genuinely why I got so into crypto was out of this necessity to like not get fired or like <laughs> not be kind of like found out that I didn't know anything um which ended up kind of being the best education I've learned that with the topic like crypto where it's just a completely different way of thinking and it's so um, complex and there's a lot of nuance to it that the best thing to do is just read. Like read yeah. everything you can, read everything, try stuff out, like see, um, you know, go on Blockchain Explorer, see what you can do to just, I don't know, get familiar with it. So I did that and then I, I came back to school after that internship and I discovered that there was a center on my campus that did open source research like I was doing over summer. And that was so great. And so I um, applied and luckily got in. And then um, through that was doing research with them, which wasn't crypto research actually, I was doing disinformation monitoring, which um, it's called the UC Berkeley Human Rights Investigations Lab. Um, some mm -hmm. people have heard of it, it's awesome. Like some of the best OSINT researchers are coming out of there like they're yeah they just came out with a, a book too uh was it digital wellness yeah. uh the yeah. signing party and all that stuff um there's some yeah. amazing people out of there too um so yeah i, I was super interested because i've talked to kevin reeves a couple times on twitter um and mm -hmm. i think i don't know if he heads it or if he's just kind of the the, the speaker no. for the group there i think he's associated with the book but it's alexa koenig and andrea yeah. lampros who had it and run it nice yeah. Alexa and uh, Lindsay, that's the persons who I know. They are great. They're awesome. Oh, yes. And Good Lindsay. People. Sorry. Yeah. I totally forgot Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's great. Um, but so they're also very well connected in the space. And I, it was my senior year and I had all this like weird crypto knowledge and I didn't know what to do for a job. So I was trying to work at a bank and <laughs> I was not getting hired because I am a social work major who, um, and I don't have a master's degree. So I would go to these like job interviews and stuff like that. And they'd be like, yeah, like you're probably no more than most of our analysts and could do this work, but like, you're like an HR hazard. Like we just can't get you through. Yeah, the <laughs> so HR like, filters. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I was like, 
what am I supposed to do with this skill set now? Okay, like I want to do this more, but I don't know what to do. And so um, through the Human Rights Center, I Eric Toller from Bellingcat was in town um, doing a training in Berkeley, and he used to work at a bank. So somebody was like, oh, you should go talk to him. He might be able to help you. And then I went and talked to him, and he was immediately kind of like, yeah, I have no idea what I would do for you. Like, <laughs> like that, that sounds really rough, but tell me more about this crypto stuff. And then I did, and he kind of was like, would you ever want to write something for us? Which, like, floored me. Like, I, you know, never yeah. thought Bellingcat would, like, because, I, I, you know, in, in the Human Rights Center in Berkeley, like, they're idolized. It's like Bellingcat is, like, the New York Times to us. Like, it's, you know, we love their work, and, like, you know, Christian and Eric are, like, superstars to us. Yeah. So. I was so excited. And so then February of last year, I wrote my first article for it. And um, it kind of took off from there. It was really surprising because I, first off, didn't, I thought that a lot of um, people in the OSINT space and crypto space were the same people. And I've learned that there's actually, there's definitely like a Venn diagram crossover of people, but that's not true. Like there's a lot of people who don't know about either industry that much. And so there was actually like a big appetite for Bellingcat readers on wanting to learn more about the topic, which was really great because I was nervous when I first wrote my article that it was just going to be like preaching to the choir, like everybody knew how to do this. Um, yeah. so then wasn't, that that, the, the, wasn't that the, the first article the, um, the about the jihadi uh, stuff? No, the, the first article was actually the Mueller. Um, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but the second one was about um, jihadi campaigns. And then um, basically after that, I, so I was, you know, getting a lot of questions like the OSINT community on Twitter was incredible and like really supportive and and wanted more but you know I just started a full-time job I I you know read about this stuff all the time but taking the time to do like a full-length investigation um it, it takes a lot of time and mm -hmm. it's something that um I definitely come across but it's not I, I felt like there was more that I could do to, to satisfy people that was kind of like an in-between of like education and kind of like showing like the news or like investigative stuff so um eric and elliot at bellingcat let me start a weekly newsletter um about cryptocurrencies and kind of the intersection with that and open source investigations um and so far it's been really great it's it's mainly like a news aggregator and digest and then kind of my ramblings about what i think is going on in the space and you know i i, I do some mini investigations into debunking news and stuff mm -hmm. um, that is circling around in the crypto <laughs> space, but um, it's been going great so far. It's honestly been such a pleasure to interact with so many of the Bellingcat readers and have people like email and ask me questions and want certain topics covered in the newsletter. Like I'm always so grateful that there's such an interest in, yeah, what's going on. Yeah. Sorry, long-winded so, answer. So, but. You're, you're good. So, so how many times do you get hit up for, uh, for crypto advice, whatever, like where the top is for Bitcoin and all that? Uh, like every week about, yeah. um, okay. which yeah. is cool. Cause sometimes I get paid. Like sometimes people are like, Oh, we'll like hire you for like a week to like, <laughs> help us with awesome. give us a training. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is really great. So in, in, in retrospect, you said you, um, initially didn't, um, maybe even have an ambition in open source intelligence or even in cryptocurrencies and you accidentally roll into it in retrospect, if you, um, would have, needed to do the same thing and get to the point where you are now what would you have done different because you said it's a different total different landscape the cryptocurrency mm -hmm. landscape than any other thing any for pointers for people wanting to start in this field yeah um that's a really good question uh start a twitter account first off the ultra yeah. community kind of lives on twitter and you can learn so much and see that stuff um, the next thing I would do and the biggest thing that I think gave me legitimacy was publishing my work, like working hard to like put together a coherent piece, whether it's, you know, a resource guide, like a, like a tutorial guide versus like an actual like in-depth investigation, like either or both, um, really helps get you connected to the space. Um, but I think that like if I were to start now and like I knew nothing about cryptocurrency and I needed to start learning, um, I would, there's a lot, even just in the last year and a half, there are a lot more great resources out there than when I started. So there's like 
so many online resources just to explain the topic to you. So Decrypt Media has a lot of really great explainers. Um, Coindesk does as well, Coin Center. Yeah. So really exhaust those just for the basics of what building like a good foundation of understanding the technology. And then after that, um, to like bridge it with OSIT, I would really just, you know, I was lucky enough that I had the Human Rights Center at Berkeley to like give real people like and, and have projects that I could be doing. Um, oh, sorry, voice crack. <laughs> uh, but if I didn't have that, I would I would utilize Twitter. I mean, the best thing about this community is that like I feel like everybody's so nice and they're willing to talk to you and willing to help you. And so it's the type of thing where you could just reach out to like a Bellingcat or an Ocean Curious and be like, I know a bit about this area. I'm really interested in helping you guys out with it. Um, let me know if you need anything. Like I think offering to help before asking for something is always a great way to get into the community. So like, I think that, and, and it's also a great way to just like meet people and learn new things. It's true. Um, the other thing too that I, I'm working on now, but that I wish I did then was getting some sort of basic coding background. Cause mm. I think that there are a lot of great ways and there are a lot of great um, open source tools like on GitHub and stuff that you could use to kind of streamline your um, blockchain investigations that I am starting to use now, but wasn't at the beginning cause I, I didn't know how to do it. And I sure. think that that is super useful as well. There's a large barrier of entry for, for coding and things like that. However, some people think it's this monumental thing and, and, and it is to a, to, to an extent. And, and I'm, I'm kind of slowly climbing that hill and using GitHub tools and command line interface and all that stuff. So I, I completely understand on that side, however, um, and cryptocurrencies, it, it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a huge, or crypto, I guess, cryptocurrencies. Uh, the, the entire structure is, is just kind of crazy. And, and it's a, itself, it's a huge task to kind of take on, um, you know, because there's there, I guess a couple of years ago with, uh, with the, um, with Bitcoin getting as high as $20,000 and then all these other projects yeah. doing ICOs and stuff like that, whatever. So initial coin offerings and uh, trying to solve the world's problem through decentralized means and all this stuff, whatever. There were some physical things that tied to uh, cryptocurrencies and things like that, which made it interesting. But then there were also a bunch of scams and there were a bunch of other things that really hurt people. So it was very, yeah, it was very overwhelming um, to go through and get into the crypto space and I, I did the same thing. I didn't do any investigations and stuff, but my interest was piqued by, you know, the, the technology and just this kind of uh, emerging technology stuff. And so I did the same thing you did. I just jumped in and it was, it was a sink or swim type stuff, but you know, it's, it's still to this day, a very, very interesting topic for a lot of people and OSINT especially because every, every time there's a digital transaction, we have another piece or another um, data point to go through and pivot off of, to go through. And yeah. even if, you want to go through and say, you know, 10 years from now, investigate something like a Bitcoin address or, you know, uh, you know, Monero or something else like that or whatever. Like the, these things will be imprinted for as long as the ledgers are available, which is amazing. So we really have a lot of historical stuff to go back to and say, this is this is where you were, what you did and how you did it. And you know, I think that's awesome. So, yeah. And still, I, I still have the feeling that cryptocurrencies in general are um still uh, a little bit of a dark spot within the OSINT field for the vast majority of OSINT researchers. Sure. But um, Brenna, um, what's your opinion on, uh, we are talking about cryptos uh, always as in a currency almost, but isn't uh, the new crypto uh, technology, isn't that also something that's really important to the open source intelligence field, looking for decentralized cryptographic chat apps for instance or yes. what's her opinion uh, on that um sorry i don't think i understand the question no well it, no it, it wasn't actually a, a question it was more like um, what's your vision on on the ocean landscape looking from uh, a crypto uh, um, perspective because it isn't always uh, necessary sure. to have a, yes. let's say a currency but you can also use the technology for okay. So like Steemit, you know, that's the social media platform that's built, built on a decentralized uh, network. Uh, they have uh, their own YouTube that's built that way. They, they, there's, a, there's a ton of different applications that are built either through the Ethereum network or, um, oh, I forget what the other one is, but yeah, there, there's a ton that's hosted that way. And 
you know, the, 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 the ability to not cache the information and stuff, that's crazy. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Sorry. No, no, no. Um, my thoughts on that are slightly skeptical and, um, you know, I'm still learning more about it, but often, so like I recently investigated an application called BCM because communication matters. So it says that it's like a blockchain platform and a lot, it was when Telegram did the huge like terrorist cleanse and they, and you know, extremists were kind of scrambling to find like a new home online. Um, it was like a candidate. I don't think it's been, it since has been um, something that from what I can tell and what a lot of other very smart researchers you follow can tell it, it, they, they haven't been following it as much for a lot of different reasons, just on the functionality of the app. But at first people were really excited about it because it says that it's, built on blockchain technology and that it, you know, has all these encryption settings that you like, can't really see messages, it's impossible to hack, blah, blah, blah. But um, the interesting thing was that is that I don't have like a, a cryptography background. So I um, can only take so much, I have to take a lot of people's claims technologically for face value, but then I had a lot of software engineers in the cryptocurrency space reaching out to me being like, I highly doubt that everything that they're saying in this application is possible. Like that, that they could just do that technologically. Like most of it hasn't been developed yet or that the way that they say they're doing it isn't the way that you would actually go about doing it. And that's just background that I, I don't have. I am working on it and I hope I have it, but it's, um, you know, you kind of have to study cryptography for years and encryption with like a crossover with software engineering to really understand what's possible to be built with the technology. So in that vein, whenever I see new and sparkly applications come up, a big thing now, especially in marketing, is that people will just tack on blockchain on it. But it actually is not run on a blockchain. It's not affiliated with that technology. Um, and, and a lot of the stuff that they're just kind of capitalizing on, like the hype around the word, sure. um, because a lot of the same things that products try to achieve, you could just do with a you know advanced sql database and stuff like that like you don't need blockchain technology right. for it um and so it's that's always that's something that also is just kind of going back to how scams can be kind of rampant in this community of trying to suss out who the real people are who, who what's real what's fake and it can be hard like um because of course you can't just like i mean you can but when you reach out to the people at the company and stuff like that they're gonna be like oh yeah super legit like yep. that's, that's what we Still did not so. a Ponzi scheme. We, we got you okay all right exactly yeah <clears throat> yep I yeah. Got you. that's cool no it, it is an interesting space and i'm i obviously i think a lot of our viewers and everyone else in the ocean community is looking forward to where it goes because it's it's another platform that uh we can you know derive information from and watch people move to it's just like you know the uh the deep nets and the dark nets and stuff like that however it's a different technology to go through and you know pass information or go through and be you know anonymous if that's a thing right. and, you know do that yeah. stuff so yeah that's awesome um i did want to go ahead dutch sorry no, no, I just wanted to say for people who uh, are interested in what she has done until now, Brenna, we will put a link in the show notes to all her previous uh, newsletters. Uh, yep, that's, so, that's what I was going to I, I, I yeah. put up the, uh, the CryptoSense. Um, so I really like that you have the archive of everything here. So that's that's awesome for people that have the ability to either catch up or, or want to get into this stuff. So. So, wait, so, wait, so I'm going to be honest. I did not know this existed. <laughs> this archive. <laughs> wait, but this is where we it? come in. We do OSINT. We find yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you a link you to your own stuff. Don't worry. Okay. okay. Thank you. No worries. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, anyone who's interested, uh, you know, Bellingcat, obviously she has, uh, Brenna has uh, a page on there that goes back into her, her stuff and Give us their email address and Twitter account for shame. Shouldn't do that. No. Um, and then yeah, the, uh, the crypto mailing list, uh, we, we will have it in the show notes and we'll, we'll send all that stuff out. But that's a really good place for a lot of people to go through and to, to start um, if, if they're interested in regards to a lot of this stuff. So that's, that's, that's fun. So you really have only been kind of producing this since October or is that just as far as it's been archived? No. Yeah, okay. I just started in October. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and you're on fire with it because um, I'm always highly awaiting the new newsletter just because, yeah. yeah, I get to learn new stuff about crypto. 
So, yeah. oh, awesome. thank you. Yeah. So, um, one question which I ask all uh, our guests is, what um, would you like to learn uh, OSINT wise or get better at? Uh, the whole coding aspect. I mean, I think that like if we look at stuff that like Justin Seitz does or Benjamin Strick and stuff like that, the crossover between understanding how to automate and visualize different aspects of data points that we research is just, yeah, it can, it can take your investigation to the next level. Yeah. So I want to get better at that. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Automation and all that in general kind of thing. Well, I guess automation is like one aspect of it, but it's more like, A lot of what I do, for example, when I'm doing blockchain investigations is focusing on like one specific data point and then I have to manually go in and like add them all together versus being able to look, it, it, I feel like coding gives you an opportunity to kind of zoom out and look at a bigger picture of things easier where I have to spend like hours building a data set on my own to do that. Sure. Um, which there's some value to that because you get to really know what you're working with. Um, but I just think too like, there are so many great open source tools happening um, in the world or like that are being built like on GitHub and stuff like that. And uh, it's hard when you see it and you're like, oh, I, I can't take advantage of this right now because I don't know how to do it. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I probably, yeah, that's what I'd like to learn more about. Well, get you something to do with your spare time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spare time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, awesome. Um, uh, Neil uh, from the audience, uh, from the, the attendance, would like to know if uh, what, if any, is the safest wallet? And I don't know if you have a, a specific, I know that there are digital wallets, uh, which are sometimes okay, whatever, but sometimes they kind of are crashed. There's the, there's the, the, the token wallets, the treasures, whatever, who are, who are okay sometimes. Um, they're getting better, I think, but is there something uh, that you found that's 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 pretty safe, reliable, and good, easy to use. Yes. So, um, something that I, so I personally am not like a big crypto investor. I, you know, bought some to see how it moves in the exchange, just based on my research. But sure. I, I am not necessarily the best to ask about digital hygiene practices. Well, I have a vague idea of it, but I don't practice it because I think I own like. $25 worth of cryptocurrencies in total. Like somebody hacked that and got it. Like, okay, that's fine. Sure. <laughs> but, you're um, to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do know that you definitely would not want to be keeping your money, all of your money in an exchange online where it's like connected to the internet. That's kind of, that's called a hot wallet. Yeah. Instead you would want to keep it offline in a cold wallet. Um, there's a lot of great, applications that I like know people who use I I'm none are coming to mind only because it's something that I don't pay specific attention to but I could if you give me your email or Twitter I could um, look that up quickly and send it over your way I think the biggest one that I I would just be careful about not looking at cold wallets that are like the ones that people are using to like advertise on crypto websites a lot and that like kind of are necessarily really hyped up I would look to see even on like chat forms and stuff like that, what the general consensus is of people who really heavily trade and invest in what they use. Yeah. I, I still know people that, that swear by paper wallets, you know, that, that, that yeah. print it out or whatever and stick it in a book and say, I've got, you know, my two Bitcoins and yeah. And yeah. And that's where, I mean, yeah, I think paper, it's just because paper wallets aren't the most user friendly. Like it's not, there's yeah. not like a super easy way to do that yet. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's super it's interesting. with QR codes and stuff like that, but even that yeah. is uh, kind of hackable. So it's, exactly. yeah, it's all kind of screwy. I don't know. Uh, what, what coin do you, do you hold? What did you buy? Do you, or can you say? A Bitcoin. That's about okay. it. Uh, I, I haven't really bought any more since I think because now there's a lot of like YouTube tutorials where you can see like, people like doing like, oh, how to purchase like Ethereum or Monero and stuff like that. And then I'll just go and look up their transactions instead. Yeah. Um, I think just because I write about it a lot and I'm not interested in it in like a finance perspective of like, I'm not looking to make a ton of money from investing in crypto. And just because I, I am, you know, critique the space in it, I feel like there could be like a conflict of interest in heavily investing. Yeah, in that makes total sense. Like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. That is awesome. All right. Um, 
Uh, any last thoughts? Uh, anything that you would like to promote or anything else um, that you want to get off your chest here? No, I just want to thank her for her time until yeah. now. Yeah. And please stay on and um, maybe participate in any questions or news we are going to discuss. We, we, yeah, we do have a question towards the middle of the end where that was uh, posed on Twitter, and I would, I would definitely like to get your, your feedback on that as well. One last question before we move. Um, is from the from the attendance here. Uh, who does she think will be the first country to have a digital currency? Question mark China. I don't yes. know. If, do, uh, I know they're rolling off their stuff. I know Russia was rolling off their stuff. Uh, there's right. already uh, what is it? Ten not tender. Uh, there's another one that's U.S. based, whatever, but it's not backed by the Fed or anything. But oh, tether. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a lot of um, U.S. stable coins out there, um, that, sure. and none of them are backed by any sort of government yeah. agency but you know china's making a lot of noise about it um and they keep on saying we're working really hard it's coming out soon and kind of you know breadcrumbing it along the way but sure. um and actually the first country that did release a digital currency is venezuela and like a year and oh, a half ago right. they released the petro right. yeah, i mean it's, it's like debatable if it's actually a cryptocurrency and it was sure. like definitely a shit show with the launch and like nobody really uses it and maduro was trying to like force people to use it in really problematic it ways petro because, or something? yeah it's called petro yeah. yeah yeah um yeah it's pretty awful it's definitely not uh, I mean, it was the first, but it's definitely not a good uh, vote of confidence for, you know, nation states utilizing cryptocurrency. Sure, sure. And it was so, forked on something. I think it was a, it was a, like, a Litecoin fork or something. I don't remember what it was. Okay. They kept on changing. Like, at first it was Ethereum, then it was Litecoin, yeah. then they were, like, being like, oh, it's, it's like a hybrid. It's a totally new thing that we built. And they yeah. just, like... They had three different white papers, three different it versions of the like website. It was like a proof of stake thing at first or whatever, and then it was proof of work, and then it's like, what the? No, okay, yeah. Yeah. It was None crazy. Okay, yeah. all right. I could go on, sorry. Um, and um, Libra from Facebook, do you think that that has legs on it or anything? Has anybody been talking about it? I've heard it's kind of dead, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it's pretty, I mean, for David Marcus's sake, poor guy is really <laughs> been trying to get that off the ground. Like, yeah. It could be interesting. I don't, I'm not necessarily, I don't think the world is going to be horribly worse off if Libra launches, depending on how they handle it. Yeah. I also am not too worried about it because I don't necessarily think that they're going to have great mass adoption. Yeah, um, it's really difficult to go through and say a corporation owns the digital currency that you now delve in and that uh, they're going to go, th yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of tough. I don't know. Yeah, like it doesn't look good. Things don't look good yeah. for it launching. So I don't want to say 100% that it's not going to, but it, it's not looking good. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I keep going off in topics. All right. No, it's um, okay. Let's see here. We have some news. And thank you for all the questions for everyone in the audience, uh, all the attendees. Um, like I said, uh, we have all the information that we'll be posting in regards to the newsletters, uh, where you can find more information about her, uh, all, all this stuff. So if you guys have further things, follow her on Twitter and, uh, you know, continue to make her feel welcome and stuff because that's what OSIN does. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some stuff. So first we have to announce we have a new member of the OSIN Curious uh, team here. Yeah. Uh, and what kind of member? <laughs> <laughs> so Technozet, uh, you you may have noticed that she's not been on the podcast for a while or or doing stuff. She was pregnant and she she had her uh, her her. I don't know. We we don't really want to release anything, or whatever. So she had a a child. There you yeah, go. they named it Ocean Curious. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> TM at the end. Hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. No, congratulations, Technozet. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we're glad that she's healthy and everyone's healthy. And um, yeah, so we're looking forward to integrating the, the new child into the program somehow. We'll, we'll see how that works. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So yeah, shout out to TechnoZet and all that here. Uh, we did want to go through and cover uh, Micah, uh, WebReacher, and uh, Ritu, who is um, uh, the OSINT Techniques. Um, she's amazing. I'll, uh, also, I, I had the, the pleasure of meeting her, but her and Micah did a collaboration for kind of the introduction to OSINT, and they put out a, uh, a video there. It's already got like 1,300 views, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. And it is uh, really kind of a, a, a ground-level 
how to get into this if you know nothing about open source intelligence what are some quick and dirty ways to go through and try to get this stuff uh, off the ground and, and working for um, you know for everything but I think this is also kind of geared towards uh, the trace labs uh, missing person CTF uh, sans uh, did a couple of them with them um, I know that we've we've had the guys on here for wasn't curious uh, we've yep. had Robert and uh, Adrian and uh, uh, beard sec Blackbeard, I forget his James. Um, so we've had them on there, and and so we like to continue to to push them forward because they are an organization that does OSINT for good. Um, we we really enjoy the the stuff that they have been doing, um, and so uh, Micah and Ritu had uh, an opportunity to go through and make uh, this this video, and it, it kind of turned out really well. Is anybody else looking no. at? Or, I think I think it's just good for people. Every now and then they reach out and say, "Give me the one-on-one to start with yeah. searching." Well, if you watch this video, basically you have this practical tool set uh, which you can use to maybe help out on February second on the new Trace Labs Global CTF Day. Uh, but just it gets you started, and I think this video answers that question that people always have been asking what do i need to get started well yeah. this and my answer would now be this video right yeah this is this is yeah. definitely a good starting point um you know because there are so many people that come out and say hey what tools should i start running multigo what's going on with this and you know this gives you a good baseline of yeah um, exactly the baseline that's the word yeah, i was looking yeah, for a good yeah. baseline of actionable things that you can kind of go through and say okay i have this person's name, I have the, where they are and their age. What can I pivot off from that and kind of go from there? So it's it's uh, it's very, very well done. It's very nice um, production-wise and stuff. So they, they did an amazing job. So shout out to them. Okay, let's see here. Okay, so next, uh, I don't know if anybody else kind of went into this with the yeah. alien attack. Yeah, well, um, I, I uh, Laurent Bodo uh, posted yeah. a, a tweet about, uh, well, and it, he says it's a super interesting paper. Well, I uh, speed read it a little bit. It's about, it's about uh, they call it a chameleon attack. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to manipulate uh, posts on social media most of the time uh, to spread disinformation or misinformation. And they have an, uh, a demo on it. And if you click the demo link, the, the Facebook uh, link, you will see uh, a, a Facebook post uh, with a, a video from uh, Biden. And, well, you need to click the link and it will play and you need it to play for at least 20 seconds. And then you need to refresh the page, which you're looking at now. And then you will see that a whole uh, other piece of content will be shown uh, and not the Biden video anymore. So yeah, it, it looks like it, it flips to a Trump, um, yeah. Trump video for, for what I did. I, we can try to do it here, actually. Which I found really interesting because this is live on Facebook, this demo. So it means yeah. that the, the, the trick uh, still works um, and people, well, can set you in the wrong foot, right? They will point you towards the video that you need to look at for a certain amount of time. You go back, you click on it, and then you're like, hey, what did I just watch? Right. Didn't I look at the Biden video? And you can manipulate people maybe by getting thumbs up or thumbs down on certain movies. Or, or sending it to people as well and propagating it through that stuff, whatever. So, And then, you know, it's kind of a, 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 a duality thing where you're sending it to somebody who may be leaning left or whatever, it's a Biden thing, and they get a Trump thing, and then same thing other way around. So it could cause, um, you know, some some hurt yeah. feelings and some other stuff in there. So we've, we've run the video for 20 seconds. It's on Biden here. We'll go back to the Facebook, and we're going to refresh the command attack page, and it does. It does and go to now you have Trump. Yep. Yeah. It now which it leads you to another YouTube video with President Trump in it. So yep. interesting. So if people want to know more detail about it, uh, we got a link in the show notes to the yep. tweet from Laurent, and it will point you towards the, the research paper as well as the demo page from Facebook. Yeah, I think that's from really Cornell interesting. Here. Yeah, Cornell, yeah. So uh, Brenda, have you have because I know you work in some form of disinformation, something like that. Have you seen attacks like this before, or is this kind of a new area, or do you know anything about this? So I haven't seen it like this. This is pretty sophisticated. What I have seen before is that people would post like pro Biden or not pro Biden, but like a, a one pro candidate ad or stuff like that. And then you click on it and it's like linked to a 
video for another candidate or a smear campaign and stuff like that, which is a much less sophisticated version sure. of this. No, this is fascinating. Yeah, it's um, cool. Yeah, in a bad way. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily yeah. happy that it's out there, but it's, it, it's it, it, is, it is funny because social networks were, were so much of a, of, of a kind of a pivotal thing in like 2016 elections and stuff like that. It's interesting to see them morphing from just paid advertisements that are geared towards certain, um, you know, demographics and stuff like that right. to actually seeing the, the, the actual code kind of change in regards to what's being displayed for you or sent around. So it is getting more sophisticated. It's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And so this is why um, I always advocate for um, looking at the same piece of evidence you, you found uh, and try to find it on another platform or at least one other source than the source that you initially found on just sure. to validate yeah, yeah. Ho hoping that the same chameleon trick isn't being exploited on the other platform as well but yeah yeah no i, I think that's something in, in open source intelligence that we definitely go through and strive for is verification making sure that it, it's a it's a valid source and that we can go through and, and replicate it and so it's not just a one-off type thing just because there are so many random attacks that could be happening from you know, anywhere, inside, outside the organizations, whatever. So you really have to have fidelity, you know, some, some mark of score that verifies it. So, yeah. All right. I agree. All right. Let's see. So enough with Biden and Trump. Uh, okay. So uh, next we had uh, uh, Nimic's blog, uh, discovering the IP range of WordPress sites hidden by Cloudflare. I don't know if anybody. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, basically put up two uh links it's the namek one and the next intel one yeah. because uh what i found okay. interesting uh they both uh use wordpress as a target to uh, use osint on and the namex one is about discovering the uh, ip address that's actually behind the wordpress site um, that's hidden behind the cloud flare so he uh blogs about the technique how to uncover the actual ip address and in addition to that you have uh nick's uh, uh his blog and um he goes even further and he will um walk you through steps you can take to find out who actually owns the wordpress blog or who's related or connected to the blog so then you can combine maybe Namex IP address and do some pivoting on that and do uh, the WP, uh, WP um, yeah, scan yeah. and stuff and combine those and come to a conclusion that well maybe John Doe owns this mysterious WordPress website yeah so I found it really interesting yeah, no, it, and there's been a ton of work uh, lately in the last year to go through and do a lot of the actual verification of IP4, you know, ranges or whatever for, uh, you know, websites and stuff like that. Or I know that um, in the uh, in the other blog post, they talked about uh, Francisco's um, uh, FAVA, so yeah. uh, monitoring the, the FAVACon and discovering that, um, you know, and I know that... Uh, David Westcott's been doing some stuff to go through and to identify Flavicons and whatever and actually attributing yeah. them to, you know, the actual, the owners and stuff, or at least the organizations. Um, but yeah, Next Intel's blog is, is really cool. And I, I've not played with WP Scan, but it, it's definitely something that I, I want to get a little bit more. But I have played with the Built With and some of the other sites that he, he talked about here. Also, he throws some Ruby code in there, which is nice because, you know, we're always trying to expand what we can do on the command line so it's always nice to have some more uh some more tools and and even different languages and stuff so oh and he doxed us look at that web oh we are yeah. Oh, it's out there. yeah he found uh, out he found out about us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were such yeah, a good secret and yeah, the cool thing is um wp scan uh is is pretty well known when you look uh, at the world of ethical hackers or um uh, red teamers, uh, security assessment, and all that. It's, it's been around for quite some time. So it's really nice if you just use it just solely to, to look at authors of uh, WordPress site, which we can use in the OSINT world again. So that's it's awesome. really cool. Yeah. But I was really impressed too by Dynamics uh, blog, uh, just, just plain simple, just use the pingback for, uh, function of WordPress to uncover an IP address. It's yeah. so logical. It's yeah. just, uh, it's all, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. 
And, and WordPress is yeah, WordPress is like they, I mean, at least they tout. I think it's like thirty five or forty yeah. percent of the internet right now. Something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, and the, the trend is not going away. So, it is definitely a marketable skill that you know, if you can go through and do this type of research on stuff that that covers one third of the internet, then this is this is this is big stuff. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's see here. Where are we going now? All right. Back to Twitter. Uh, did, Dutch, did you put this one up? Yep. Um, this was initially, well, I found it through, uh, uh Capteurs Overs, which is, uh, a French open source intelligence account. Uh, they are also part of open facto and they pointed me towards oh, cool. this and, um, well, this is, uh, for me two parted. I can uh, try and read French once in a while again. So I figured out this was, um, they built, um, a Chrome tool, which you can install using the Chrome developer mode. Um, which the description I will put up in the show notes and I'll put a link to the GitHub page. What it does, it will help you find the uh, original video which was first posted on Twitter. So for instance, I post uh, a video now that gets viral and 10,000s of people will share it or retweet it. And you need to know who posted it first on Twitter. This extension will help you with that. So um, for... Uh, cases like the spreading of misinformation yeah, or propaganda really or that kind of stuff. This could be, and I tried it and, and it works perfectly fine. So, um, but the only thing is the thread is in French, but um, when you push the translate button, um, it works perfectly fine. So it will get you there. And, uh, and um, the GitHub page is fairly straightforward. You just download um, the information from the GitHub as a zip you unzip it as a folder and you open it as uh, an unpacked extension within your Chrome extensions. Oh, so, cool. okay. uh, and I will put a short description about how to do that in the show notes for those who don't know how to do it. It's, it's that would be awesome. Word. But I just found it a really interesting uh, add-on for your browser for certain research cases. Another, another tool for the toolkit. You could definitely yeah. do something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it saves you uh, another URL because there are diff uh, several sites that just Google for first tweet or tweet it first. Um, you can also use that for keywords and all that. Uh, you can also add um, video links or uh, stuff like that sometimes. But yeah, sometimes it's a lot easier if you just have a Chrome uh, extension for that. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. Okay, nice. The saw the chat was going crazy and I couldn't get to it, so sorry. Okay, all right. Uh, let's see here. What is next? So yeah, we have the GitHub up there, and uh, Dutch will go through and put all that stuff. So yeah, not a problem. Okay, so uh, Micah, a web breacher, some guy we've never even heard of, put a question on Twitter, um, you know, and 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 wanted some feedback. And I think this is a valid question, and and, and it kind of goes in and out of phase with what OSINT kind of is considered. Is it? Is it passive? Is it is it more of the recon stuff where you're actively going through and pulling stuff? So, um, you know, serious question from the OSINT community. Uh, coming from a pen tester background, I usually consider OSINT as a passive light to no targets uh, interaction activity. Uh, but with certain active measures, API access, visiting websites, username enumeration are still uh, OSINT as the data is open and we are just using more active measures to obtain it. Uh, where are you slash your organization drawing the, this is OSINT and this is too active for your org line. So I'll throw it out to uh, Brenna. This is one of the things we wanted to interact. I don't know if you have a, a clear defined, what is OSINT, what is recon, you know, when, when is it not considered open source intelligence and it's actually considered something else like active penetration or something else like that. <laughs> I, you know, so interacting with I, people, or whatever. Would would you say? No, that no, that? no. Sorry. Yeah, I understand the question. It's just okay. more. I, I um, I don't think about it a lot. I guess from an ethical standpoint, which is sure. also embarrassing, having come from the human rights center. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there, Alexa you would be that? like, "Come on, no, just I kidding. know, I know." Alexa would be like finger wagging me right now. Um, That's funny. I think it's hard and I think it depends because, you know, when you're going after somebody who's a well-known bad guy, 
and you're figuring out all this information out about them and getting kind of doing technically open source stuff that's like a little hackery, um, I, I, I don't feel bad about it. I don't have any issue with it. Sure. But then it gets weird when you have a target and the way that you're getting more information about their target is like going through like a relative or like a business associate and somebody who like might be completely innocent in it. And I always get like a little weird in my stomach where I'm kind of like, you know, it, I think it's hard. I think it, I, I, I think a lot of it is potentially okay as long as you don't like publicly post that information or like dox anyone or, you know, like, I think you just need to realize that the information you have is powerful and very important to use wisely and not just kind of look at it flippantly and remember that often targets are people too and the people around them are people too. And so sometimes I think that I, you know, can do this too where I get so excited because I think of people I'm investigating as like data points and like a puzzle to solve. Um, So yeah. I don't know if that answers the question, but it, it does to a point. And, and, and you bring up an excellent, excellent point, especially with, uh, with the, the power of what open source intelligence can go through and pull in. Uh, and then also <clears throat> either using second or third degree associations, but then what happens if you get it wrong, you're targeting the wrong person with the same name or something. So the verification stuff that like Dutch and I were talking about earlier kind of comes back to that, 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 flat line you know you don't go beyond that point because you want to make sure that what you're actually producing is verified but uh, uh sector dutch what do you guys think well don't forget there's uh um the o is just for open and but the int um that's i think the most important part you're making you're trying to make actionable intelligence so you're gathering a lot of pieces of the puzzle and some pieces just won't fit uh, in the puzzle, but you need you needed to have a look at them to come to completing your puzzle to answer your question. So uh, sometimes you need to take steps or be in environments or spaces online, which uh, need you to be not only passive but also active. But uh, is that then still open source intelligence? I don't know. It depends on the use case, I guess. But uh, in general, open source intelligence is using information that's open for each and every person everywhere, everyone out there, which you can use to make an actionable decision about yeah. a research question. So, yeah. That's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, really. Uh, Sector, what do you got? Yeah, I, I do think there are some, uh, some gray areas. Um, when something is public because of um, an actual error, um, like a software bug. Yeah, sure. things change. Um, I've had that issue. We talked about it on, uh, on our private channels. It still isn't fixed. Um, but yeah, I could say that I can use certain pieces of information as OSINT, but it's actually a closed down forum on a really huge website. They still haven't closed it though. But right. yeah, I can read everything. It's invitation only. So th- there is this little gray area that um, you have to look at software bugs. Okay, it's not OSINT. But if there are things that can be found by everyone by simply searching, changing a URL, maybe look in the source code or even use a third-party API that does all the work for you, but uh, publish it and you can actually verify the information, that's the key part of it, of course, then, yeah, why not use it to uh, enrich your intelligence or your information that you have? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. I I, I think it gets odd when it's, uh, you know, Amazon Buckets or GitHub and they've hard-coded API keys and stuff like that, so it's not as intended a open source thing. It was an oopsie or something else like that. I I still think that that's... uh, I still think we have every right to go through and utilize that in investigation or in, uh, in scanning stuff because it is open. Uh, it's not locked by anything. And because you mis- you did it as a mistake, I-, I totally understand that, but that's, that's not something that should be forgiven in a lot of, of, of areas just because the, the only way people learn uh, is through mistakes. So if that happens, whatever, and we can, we can point that out and say, you know, this is what happened. And I, I think it makes us a stronger, and maybe a little bit safer community in the long run, but uh, yeah, but 
that's where that's exactly uh, where the intelligence comes in. You yeah. make it actionable by responsible yeah. disclosing it, right? Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, remediation steps and things like that. If it's private, yeah. you're doing it for somebody, or you know, if, if it, yeah, just reaching out and just saying, hey guys, you know, um, I know that on Twitter there's a lot of people that do uh, look for C2s and phishing campaigns and things like that, and that's the first thing they do is as soon as they are able to identify it, they uh, they 100 disclose it, and 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 they do it in a responsible way through DMs or through you know uh, active channels and stuff like that. That they talk to people who matter um, to go through and get the the issue resolved. So yeah, that's it's it's good. Um, okay, so uh, I don't know the chat's going crazy too. It, it's, a, it's a big topic, you know. I don't think we've ever had a let's come to an ethics kind of question about open source intelligence. And I think a lot of people want to stray away from it because once we rigidly define how that is, uh, then people will start pointing fingers at other people and saying, well, you're not doing it this way. I don't think that we need to go through and have it, but I definitely think that you know, the organizations or the groups that people are in should at least take a step back and question what they want to do. Maybe not a, a, yeah. a hard and fast line, but just, you know, where do they, where do they draw conclusions? Yeah. But I also, also think, I'm oh, sorry, oh, go ahead there, Sector. Sorry. Uh, also don't forget that um, when you look at certain techniques and certain places that you can get your information from, um, it totally depends on the use case because um, your sure. ethics can be very flexible. Yep. Um, also, the divided more by severe uh, your target is, like, let's say you're looking at a terrorist or someone that murdered a person, you can you can stretch um, a, a lot of things that you can do um, legally. <laughs> but isn't isn't this the, this? I, in my opinion, this discussion isn't about open source intelligence. I think there's two worlds: there's open source intelligence and there's online investigative research. And in sure. online investigative research, uses most of the time initially open source intelligence to yeah. to pivot off on, and then you need subpoenas or prosecutions yeah. uh, to say, well, you can go that one step further, which isn't open source intelligence anymore. But you started with conducting open source intelligence, or maybe getting, uh, maybe you got some human intelligence, which made you go toward. And that's where people, um, well, that's just my opinion. I think there's two worlds. Yeah. There's yeah, I don't know, because if it's a private organization or a private industry and not associated with law enforcement, who's still doing an investigation, um, they may have a little bit more looser rules in regards to certain things, whatever. Plus, they don't have the opportunity to go through and subpoena or get verified information. So it's it's yeah, it, it's both ways. Um, but but you're right. Open source intelligence and investigations kind of do have to divide themselves because once it becomes an investigation, and you're not just using the tools. Uh, you're actually trying to go through and put you know something to legislation or something to you know uh, an actual uh, person's criminal investigation or something. Then then it comes a little bit different of a matter. So, I don't know. Just our opinion. Don't quote us. And if you do, spell our names right. Uh, let's see. Okay, so that's Micah's tweet. Uh, Spiderfoot 3.0 is coming out. Major changes. It's running on Python 3 now. Um, target by usernames, which I think uh, Spiderfoot HX has been able to go through and do for a little while. And then running skins by uh, command line interface or the web interface like it, it did originally. So this is uh, back to the original GitHub um, open source projects of this isn't the Spiderfoot HX. So this is this is exciting stuff to see that not only is he continuing to develop the cloud-based version, the Spiderfoot HX, but he's still keeping you know uh, Steve Steven's still keeping the uh, the original project going and updating as it goes along. And and I, you know it's 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 still a tool that I use every day. Um, it's it's amazing. I don't know if anybody else has the same love for Spiderfoot that I do. But yep. Yeah, yeah I got a lot of love for Spiderfoot. So I'm yeah, really yeah. happy to see. Uh, version 3.0 is out yeah so yeah. people just go check it out yeah yeah it's awesome really cool stuff okay and we're kind of running up against time so i apologize that i keep talking okay uh before we get to this trace lab stuff i did want to go through and say <clears throat> excuse me which trace labs is amazing we'll get to you here in a second we did have some some stuff from our listeners that i wanted to go through and talk about uh we did have someone who wrote in and said hi osint curious team uh, I come from a non-technical background and switched careers a few months back to doing bug bounty hunting. Uh, I have also recently picked up a very keen interest for OSINT and am just starting out reading and catching up with whatever resources and books I can get with regards to OSINT. 
I have a great interest for OSINT privacy and security, and I would like to make a career out of this, uh, apart from doing bug bounty hunting. Any advice for a newbie like me? I'm very interested, uh, I'm very serious, uh, I very seriously, I can't talk, wanted to make a career out of OSINT, but I am in a dilemma as to poss possibilities that there uh, could be out there. Any internships or research assistant related jobs uh, that I could do and learn uh, on the run as well for work. I think we get this question kind of a lot. Um, so basically, a lot of people are looking for specific OSINT work. Uh, everybody wants to work at Bell and Cat, and Dutch isn't going to leave. So where else? Well, can you go? well, well, well. I just did, but that's another discussion. Oh no. Um, so so just <laughs> I, I know that there's a lot of technical people in this in this organization for OSINT Curious and stuff who comes from, you know, either military backgrounds or from red teaming or, or pen testing, um, other things like that. So if, if, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to get a job in open source intelligence, where do I start? What's the best answer we can go through and give them? And then we just point them to this episode. Uh, um, I would say at this moment in time, um, when you are in... Um, let's say uh, European-based areas, I think almost each and every government, city hall, um, tax authority is looking for open source intelligence people. I don't know how about that in the United States, but looking at um, jobs, job openings in the States, I see a similar thing. So, but they also ask a lot of times for interns for short-term, longer-term, paid, unpaid internships. So that would be my uh, first guess. Try and go to like this governmental-ish uh, jobs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm just from the U.S. angle only because I, I was doing this like just a couple months ago, graduating and trying to find a job in OSINT and stuff like that. There's a lot of um, private research firms in the States that hire analysts who a lot of the research like has a lot of crossover with OSINT. Um, if that's something you're interested in. Internship wise, it's harder. There's just not a lot of internships doing this stuff. So Very if you're true. at a big university, um, there's a lot of like really interesting research being done in universities around this. So if you would want to, I mean, you probably won't get paid, but you, you could go <laughs> and I know, like, and that's just like what sucks so much is like, but thinking of like from a college student angle, if you're already like taking classes and stuff somewhere and then there's a grad student or professor who's doing similar open source research, like why not go try to work with them and learn from them? Yeah. Um, there's also, I think, um, a lot of opportunities in journalism actually to do interesting open source stuff. There are people, um, I feel like are, there are internships that I know of that they're looking for specifically research interns and stuff like that. And that's mostly open source as well. So yeah. um, it's out there, but it is hard and it's, it's still like, there's <clears throat> no good way to get this experience. It's, it's like a really. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and that's kind of where I was going to go. It, it, it's tough because a lot of the jobs that we want aren't called OSINT analysts, they're business intelligence or their research right. and their other things. So the, the way that I have procured a job in open source intelligence and the way that I would tell people is that you really have to go through and be uh, kind of scraping a lot of the news sites and stuff like that to go through and see where open source intelligence is going. Um, you know, BAE just got a huge contract with the United States uh, Air or uh, the Army to go through and do all their external OSINTs. So BAE may be a place that you want to go through and look if, you want, if you're okay with doing military-style open source intelligence. Um, uh, Kirby brings up an excellent point that uh, Ernest and Young, I mean, there's a ton of people doing uh, research, whatever. It may, it may not be called open source intelligence, but from Ernest and Young all the way to Walmart, there are, there are divisions inside either, you know, their pen testing, red team, blue ops, stuff like that, that, that do need the vulnerability scans and do need uh, you know, social media. I know AMC hires for uh, brand awareness. Um, I've got a very good friend out in Kansas City, who, and that's kind of what she does is she monitors the brand for, uh, for AMC. And if there's something because of potential shootings or if there's, um, you know, a weird video that has, you know, an employee with a, with a shirt on, they have to go through and find that and make sure they can get that taken down. There's a lot of facets of the open source intelligence stuff that can be used. 
Um, but the, networking through like Twitter and through conferences or through channels like this, uh, there's something that you can get through that way. Uh, also, like just keeping your head kind of looking for stuff all around, it, it does help. Um, but you have to go through and be active in regards to a lot of that stuff because it's not something where, you know, they will go through and they will look for you to go through and do that stuff. Um, I will mention that um, OSINT.team has <clears throat> a jobs uh, board up there. If you're not on OSINT.team, you really should. It is a specific forum for OSINT like-minded people. And there are, there are jobs that are posted there. Some are contracts, some are full-time gigs. Um, uh, there's a, there was a human rights uh, job, I think, a while back for New York or something that was posted on there. Um, oh, uh, actually, sorry, not to no, interrupt, but also he went like Amnesty International, Human yeah. Rights Watch, like they 100%. all have great things. Yeah. I actually have to run soon, but I did want to just say one thing about it too, that if you're trying to get a job in OSIN, but um, like you don't know where to start, a great ways to like publish blog posts. It's probably yeah. going to get traction in the OSIN community just because of how people are, but also because... Um, I like I didn't had no idea how to go about jobs and any of the job opportunities and contracts I did after was because people had found like my articles and stuff online. Um, okay. So that's my biggest advice to anybody looking for jobs is like write a blog post, like get it out there to show your skills and like yep. people people eventually come. Yeah, yeah, um, volunteering and yeah. all that stuff is very well. But thank you so much, Brenda, for coming yeah. on and and and, and we know you got to run. We'll finish up for the rest of the stuff, but but it's, it was okay. it was awesome talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Oh, come back. Please come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. please. Whenever. Just let me know. All right. Two weeks. We'll okay. see you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah. That was the other thing is that I, one of the ways I actually got the job that I did was, was just from showing them the amount of work that I put into the OSINT community and stuff. And that, that, that carried a lot of it because I'm dumb as a box of rocks, but at least I'm willing to do the work, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. So I see in the chat, there's also EFF and lawyers and due diligence jobs. So there's the, the sky's the limit basically. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to look outside of the actual verbiage. So yeah. I mean, OSINT is whatever we can go through and do to find open intelligence, you know, so don't pigeonhole yourself to go through and be an OSINT analyst. You know, if there's something out there and the company that you are applying for is an interesting position, like yeah. look at it and see what you can do from inside the organization too. Yep. Yep. So, uh, the other thing here is uh, we did have somebody on Twitter, uh, Chai at the operator uh, wanted to know if we'd ever consider doing a dark web OSINT or saying safe 101 pointing out resources that matter and, uh, you know, points for using this in conjunction to trace labs, missing person CTF. Have, have we talked about doing dark web, deep web, one-on-one type stuff? I mean, I'm sure we could do a 10 minute tip or something on it or, or, or a series on there. Uh, we have discussed it. There are a lot of things in the pipeline, I guess. So, um, nice. I just, I just would say stay tuned. We, we probably will, but there you go. yeah. Cool. All right, and I know we're running long, so we'll get to the rest of the stuff. So back to Trace Labs. Obviously, uh, the Trace Labs third uh, CTF, or excuse me, the global CTF, uh, OSINT yeah. Missing Persons, is coming up here pretty quick. Dutch, I think you said it was on the second. I thought it was on the third. Yeah, like, first. I think I it was the first of uh, February. I think it was the third. I, I don't think they want to compete in the Super Bowl. I'm just kidding. Somewhere this year they will have it. No. There you go. <laughs> Blank statement. Uh, yeah. Has, do you guys um, foresee yourselves uh, getting involved with this year? I know, I know, Sector, you did last time, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be out. I'm not going to be able to do it. I would love to. I, I really enjoy um, doing that, but I, I, I will be gone. So, Dutch, are yeah. you? Doing yeah, I'm. A, I'm trying. Well, I'm trying. I'm going to participate in this particular uh, upcoming event. Yeah, nice. and probably in the future again. But this one, I've got plans already in my agenda. Cool. Well, um, I know, and this is not more plugs for OSINT.team, but I know that there are a bunch of people on OSINT.team that are looking for uh, partners. Uh, so if you want to group up, you can get up to a group of four to go through and participate in the Trace Labs organization or the CTFs there. So if anybody has, you know, room on a team or wants to go through and do it, uh, but you don't want to do it solo, like definitely go on there, jump in the general and uh, post up there, and then we'll, we'll try to get people matched up and, uh, there's a pretty good video from Trace Labs as well that does show you how to go through and register, get onto the platform, all that stuff. And they're pretty good at troubleshooting as well. 
Uh, just be kind to the judges because they're they're people too. Um, let's see. So <clears throat> after Trace Labs, we want to go through and just get into maybe some of the plugs, wrap this stuff up, give people yeah. back the rest of their Sunday. So uh, let's see. I think we have the Open Source Intelligence Summit coming up in February as well, uh, OSINT Summit 2020. Doug, yeah. I think you're, you're going to be out there talking and stuff too. Yeah, I'm going to do a talk there. I think Kirby's going to be there, Mika, and a whole lot of other bunch of people um, who are in the Twitter sphere. So, yeah, be yeah. sure to check it out if you're able to. Yeah, no, it should be a good time. I yeah. think there's a. Looking good... really forward to meeting all the people over in the States. It was it was a good time last year. Um, so, I think it just continue to go through and be a good time this year. Yeah. Uh, and sure. rolling on to more stuff that involves Dutch Ocean Guy. Uh, I know that there was a recent uh, recorded future podcast you did. Yeah, um, last week came out. Um, well, they did a, a short podcast series with me, uh, an episode. It was recorded uh, last year, and now they posted it online. It was we talked about OSINT and threats intelligence, and um, well, I really enjoy talking to Dave Bittner because I, yeah. I'm kind of a fanboy. I listened to his voice for over years commuting. Yeah. So uh, it, for me, it was an honor to be on the Recorded Future podcast. So that's awesome. Yeah, and I know Mike that. has done an episode with him as well. So yeah, it, it's a really good organization. I, I, I really like Recorded Future. Um, so yeah. yeah, cool stuff. Uh, let's see here. I think that's pretty much about it. This is the. Uh, the gentleman that Brenda Smith was ta talking about, uh, if you want to go through and follow him uh, at SignCurve, yeah. um, which I've already done. So it's, uh, <laughs> more, 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 more tools for the for the for the, uh, for the tool belt. Um, any other shout outs? Uh, anything you guys are doing in the next uh, two weeks that you guys want to promote? Uh, Sector, are you doing anything fun? I'm doing lots of fun things. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, nothing particular at this moment. I'm doing some extra research, but yeah, I'm not sure where that's uh, leading, but uh, it's, it's along the lines of uh, pivoting from Google ideas. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that is exciting stuff. I've, I've been recently playing with a lot of the UA codes and stuff like that. So that's, uh, I, I, there was a, yeah, well, I don't know. We'll get out into it offline. Um, right. so that's fun stuff. Uh, Dutch, what do you got? Uh, nothing much. I got some closed conferences coming up, and uh, so people can check me out there. I always bring Ocean Curious stickers, so if you see me, hit me up, and I'll hand them out to you. And we'll see you in a week or two, I guess. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. What's uh, and I know Kirk, Kirby is silent. We want to say uh, get well soon, Kirby, for all that stuff. Um, I really don't have a whole lot more going on. Uh, check uh, if if you're in the Kansas City area. We're going to be doing. Uh, a, an open source intelligence kind of meetup thing here at the on Thursday. So if you're interested in open source intelligence in the Kansas City area and you want to come out, um, watch the Twitters and we'll we'll, we'll show you where all that stuff's going to be. Uh, I think that's about it. Anybody else have any other last minute things? Nope. Good. Thank you all so. to the participants, the yes. attendees. Thank what? you all, attendees. Yeah. And all the awesome questions. Yeah. The questions, the sponsors, the attendants, everybody. Thank you so much for keeping this thing alive. We really appreciate it, and we enjoy it. So if you uh, if you have any other questions or if you, you want to be Ocean Curious, keep following us, and we'll just keep going from there. Yeah, stay Ocean Curious. Bye, everybody. Right, guys. Thank you.